Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thanks so much for joining us today. Today's topic is the Mary Kay supply chain with my friend Mike's ring, Mike Ringsdorf. How's it going, Mike? Great, Joe. Good afternoon. Good to be with you. So please introduce yourself and your company and where you're located today. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, my name is Mike Ringsdorf. I'm the Vice President of Distribution and Logistics for Mary Kay Incorporated. And I come to you today from Dallas, Texas. All right, so that's snowing there. <laughs> you actually, guys might think it's cold. Actually, it is today. Yes, is it? Uh, that yeah, must be cold. It is. We don't do well with uh, with snow and ice. We have a little bit of ice, and we're not very good with it. So our plant is actually closed today. So the people from Michigan laugh at us on on days like yeah. today when we're. We've got like one-tenth of a... It's just not set up for it. That's the problem. I recognize that now. I've been to Florida a million times when it's cold, and I always think it's it's a different cold. It's 45 degrees, but it feels colder because you're not set up for it. But anyway, I'm excited to talk to you, Michael, today because um, so often, most of the time, I'm talking to people who are transportation guys. They might be warehousing guys or... Uh, transportation or logistics, a lot of technology guys, all very important. But I don't often get to speak to shippers. And I think that's a different perspective. We were prepping a little bit and, you know, we're on the same page with a lot of this stuff is just a different perspective because it's you guys obviously as a shipper have to um, work with all of us on the outside. But I think it's it has to be super steady, super reliable. You're managing factories you're managing distribution networks that are crazy important and i think the idea of like hey i got this new technology is cool but more important is don't screw me up this week (laughs) well said joe i mean for us you know the consistency the reliability and the partnership are still where where the business is run from us you can have the technology you can have the visibility but we're still relationship-based industry. We're still counting on our internal and external partners, and uh, it's getting you know harder and harder as as we go forward. But those relationships are extremely important. Yep, yep. Before I forget, not everybody on Earth has heard about Mary Kay. I think ninety-nine percent of Earth has heard about you guys. But t- please tell me what Mary Kay does for that one percent who hasn't heard. <laughs> yes, you know, Mary Kay was founded by Mary Kay Ash herself in 1963 and it's a, a privately owned company, direct sales, skincare is the is what really makes us go and you know, you got to go back to 1963. There's wasn't a lot of opportunities for women and and Mary Kay herself had gotten tired of, of training men to do jobs that, that she was doing. And she took her life savings with her son and family and, and was able to get a, a bank loan. It's a very unique and interesting story. A lot of people told her that the, the Not model VC wouldn't money. work. <laughs> yep. No, no, no. And the model wouldn't work. And, you know, here, here we are, you know, coming on 60 years, still going strong, stronger than ever. And so you guys make women's cosmetics and it's sold through a network. And is it, is it, is it multi-level marketing? 
Yeah, we've got, uh, we're, we're drug sales. We make the products and um, we sell them to our, our IBCs and then they, they ultimately sell them to their customer. Yep. And um, when we were prepping, I told you that somebody I grew up with, Don Otten Sweeney, uh, she's from Dearborn, Michigan, like me. She was good friends with my sister. And I see her occasionally, sometimes see her at Michigan football games and stuff. But uh, I know she's a top Mary Kay person in terms of sales. And she has done really well by it. I mean, it's uh, it's 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 funny because I think that a lot of people have this idea that uh, – Oh, well, that's something to do with part-time. That doesn't work. It does work. And by the way, I'm here. I'm based here in Michigan. If you go to Grand Rapids, Grand Rapids has uh, Amway. And man, that has been wildly successful and so good for the city of Grand Rapids. You can't go very far before you see something that Amway yes. built. <laughs> so so these, these are great companies. Yes. And, you know, also just, you know, like for Mary Kay, more relevant than ever because... You think about it, owning your own business, working your own hours, um, working from home. What better opportunity than to, you know, be, run it yourself? And Right. The, it, the great resignation was largely women. And it was women who, I, I think part of it was, didn't know if my kids were going to be out of school. And women tend to take more of that caregiver role. So they've said, I got to work my, I, my job has got to work around my kids. But I think also they were looking and saying, I'm the primary caregiver here. I'm not going to get sick. I might have a, a loved one, a parent or something. So yeah, this, maybe your time has come here. So you guys have unique challenges though, because, and I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, while we have, while we have the shipper for the next uh, 35 minutes, I want to pick your brain. So Tell us a little bit about your supply chain. Where does, I mean, from procurement through manufacturing, obviously we want to talk about logistics. A lot of people listen to logistics of logistics for logistics, but, and I also want to understand your distribution. So talk, talk a little bit, talk us through that. And if you don't mind, I'll ask some questions for clarification. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> Be glad to. So you know, Mary Kay, we have two plants. Um, we have one in China, Mary Kay, China, and in, in Hangzhou. We have um, our second plant, uh, proud of the United States of America. And, and like I mentioned earlier, right here in, in Dallas, Texas. So nice. China, yeah, China is self-sufficient. They, they take care of China and they don't import or export out of, out of China. And then um, the rest of the world, all of the So you must be selling a lot. Of, you must be selling a lot of stuff in China for you to build a f factory there. Yeah, and I think yeah, China is has always been one of our top two markets, and you know I think the culture of China China is very conducive to direct sales because you want to purchase from somebody you trust, and who better to to purchase from than somebody a friend, right? So that's really where direct sales comes in. Like Joe, you wouldn't sell me something that wasn't good for me. So the fact that you're putting your reputation out there, I'm good to go because. Because we've got that um, relationship. I, I can tell you this from, I spent a lot of time in China in the 90s. And I remember a lot of places I would go, you would see people open up, like just turn over like a crate on the side of the road and be selling something. And a lot of times they would be selling Amway products. I remember that. And they loved it, the Amway over there, because they said, I can go into business. It, was, it wasn't as easy for them to get into business. This was pre-Alibaba and pre-all these other things. And in a lot of ways, I remember somebody said to me from Amway, trying to get me to sell it to the guys in China, that they were kind of selling entrepreneurship. This, this will get you in business. 
And I, yeah, so I can see Mary Kay being the exact same way where it's like, hey, let's put me in business, man. I know. And, and I don't want to get us off track, but just that opportunity like exists. You think about where Mary Kay is in, in countries like Ukraine, Moldova. Women don't have the opportunities even today in, in these countries that, that Mary Kay, the, the, the ability to raise their family and, and provide for themselves through our products um, is is profound for them. So I think that's, you know, that's why I love, that's one of the reasons I love Mary Kay and have worked with Mary Kay for at Mary Kay for 26 years is, is the culture is to enrich women's lives. And, and you just, you feel like you make a difference, right? People want to work for companies that are next level on, you know, just, you can go and look at what Mary Kay does for domestic violence, cancer research. You just want to be part of that. And, yeah. You guys you guys had that social pur- you had that social purpose before it was popular. So I meant exactly to ask right. you and I didn't yeah. get into this. So where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? How did you end up at Mary Kay? Yeah, you know, it's I I kind of have to pinch myself sometimes. I, I grew up in the state of Iowa. Um, I grew up in a a, a farming community, uh, north central part of the state and Upon graduation, you know, there just wasn't a lot of opportunities outside of farming. And so I uh, started my supply chain career with a, with a company called Roadway Express. And I was... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was the old roadway. I was working nights and kind of moved around a little bit. And once I, I was eventually transferred to, to Dallas and realized that I needed to make a change with this uh, privately owned company... And word on the street was there's two companies that you want to work for in Texas and Dallas. And one was Southwest Airlines and one was Mary Kay Incorporated. Oh, yeah. My wife had a job at Southwest Airlines. And so she's like, that's not happening. You're not coming to Southwest Airlines. (laughs) And so all of my focus was then on Mary Kay. And I was very fortunate to to get a job with with Mary Kay and and then the rest is history. So you've been there 26 years. So now tell us a little bit about, so you t- you've got these two locations where you do manufacturing, China and in Dallas. Yep. So talk, talk to me a little bit about your procurement process and then a little bit about manufacturing. And then we'll get into stuff that we all care about on this yeah. podcast. Is I th- But I think it's super important for us to understand what our shippers do. So seldom do we ever talk about that. We, we know the dock door and the other dock door. That's it. <laughs> Right. I mean, that's that's an important part, but it's just a small part of, of, of your overall supply chain. So, you know, Mary Kay is proud of the fact that, that we have just built a state-of-the-art manufacturing facility in Dallas. We are, you know, we're definitely set up for, for years and years to come with state-of-the-art. And we we run our, uh, we're proud of the fact that our products are produced at, you know, for the most part in the United States of America. And um, we do a lot of, uh, we get our raw materials and, and, and some components from China. So our purchasing group is, is you know, leveraging uh, cost, if you will, right, from, from China. And then, you know, I always give our purchasing procurement group a, a hard time because they get the, they get the right price, but then they, they put all the heavy lifting on the on the logistics guys to to get it over right, to, right. to the United States. And the last couple of years have been tough, but yeah, we're importing uh, you know out of China, bringing the components in here, forecasting them, planning them, ERP, DRP here in Dallas. Now, are all, most of your suppliers in China? 
A lot of our component suppliers, specifically for a lot of the tubes and you know, kind of the bigger commodities we get from China, we do try and purchase from the United States whenever possible. But uh, you just, you know, you... I think after this pandemic, yes. there's a lot of people talking about nearshoring and saying, wouldn't it be easier if we were picking this up in uh, at the, in Mexico or somewhere in the U.S.? And I think, you know, I think one of the things that nearshoring is I'm, I'm all for it. It's just it's not going to happen overnight for one. But it also I think one of the things that we're going to find out is a lot of you know, we we closed factories here in the 70s, 80s, 90s move stuff to China. Now, as we move back, there'll be cleaner factories that we open. They'll be more automated. And I think they're going to have to be very clean at, because of virtually every neighborhood you know of is going to say, not in our neighborhood. Nope. You're not bringing that here. It, we, we can kind of have that uh, mindset that I'm not part of the problem as long as it was shipped here from somewhere else. But it needs to be made here or in Mexico or Canada. And I agree. And I also think the automation is going to be a, a, a key piece of that because, you know, labor is really hard to, to staff and, and we're already scrambling with that. And now you add a lot of production to the equation. Where do, where do the workers come from for some of that? I think, well, by the way, somebody said it to me and I'm trying to figure out who, but they they said, you know, China has fewer manufacturing work, manufacturing jobs than they used to. We do too. And I joke about it on my podcast that politicians have a manufacturing fetish because they want to go back to the days of 1950, 1960, where you could make a really good living in a manufacturing plant. Those days are gone because we aren't the world's factory anymore. That's not our, after That's the true. war, after World War II, 80% of the production facilities on earth were here. So it was pretty easy. It was shooting fish in a barrel. And, but I do think the factories that left here uh, with maybe 100 people to go back to China, it's been automated in China. So when we move it back here, we're going to automate it also. So these are going to be cleaner, more automated plants, but it doesn't happen overnight. So and that yeah. took us a little off track no, there. No, Mike. you didn't, though. I mean, <laughs> we, we, you know, we just, Mary Kay had been in the same manufacturing plant for years. So I know exactly what you're talking about. We just went through that exercise to get state of the art, to get clean, to to automate when possible. And I, I, we're living proof of what you just described. Right, right. So I, I think moving back here, though, does have its advantages. We don't have to worry. Like, we're not always going to have the supply chain bottleneck, but um, we will. Those those containers coming from China, it does add greenhouse gases that we're all trying to limit. And it also, it adds three weeks or a month to the process. You know, I've spent a lot of time uh, in my career coordinating with China or Thailand or Malaysia. Great people, no, no, no problem there. They're just, they're in a different time zone. They're 12 hours time difference and different cultures, different companies. It's always a challenge. I think it's so much easier if I can say I'm calling, I'm calling George in Idaho, who's going to have that shipped and I'll be here in two days. Yes. Yes. And you, if you have a problem too, you can be there in a couple of hours right. as well, as opposed to, you know, days and weeks before you can get on, on, on the ground. So getting back to it. Uh, so you guys have your own manufacturing facility. So talk a little bit about your inbound logistics. How do you guys go about, do you, do you hire, do you have a third party logistics company or are you going directly to the transportation guys? Yeah. So, you know, we're kind of in a, in a, 
in flux, if you will, in a sense of we're trying to get more control as the less control. In the past, we've really relied on a couple of freight forwarders to to do most of the heavy lifting for us. We've developed long-standing relationships, and we're proud of those relationships. We're no different than anybody else as the world is changing, visibility, you know, because we have you know, people at the plant every day waiting to run products oh, and we yeah. need to know we need to know where those products are and the scheduling group the planning group everybody needs to be in step with when something is going to arrive and so we're trying to get more control of that and by that i mean we're designed we're in the implementation stages of of a, of, a, of our transportation management system the visibility platform, the trackers on the temperature tracking that you've been, you know, kind of talking about previously. All of those are, are, are things in play for us, but we want to take as much control back as possible. The Mary Kay way is, is we have a lot of very talented people that work really hard and we feel like as much control as we can right. have will will benefit us so we're we're really moving in that direction yep it reminds me when i was supporting a factory an automotive factory and a very good one very well run we would have to make sure auto parts were there at a certain time this is when i was in logistics and i remember every once in a while they said just make sure that's there by thursday morning and then um it would deliver Wednesday night. My guys would say, yeah, that delivered, you know, good job, whatever. And then Thursday morning, I would get these phone calls. Joe, I was very, very clear that had to be there. And if they were calling me, I knew something was wrong. And I was like, I think it delivered. And then I remember going down and saying, guys, that delivered, right? Oh, yeah, it delivered yesterday. And I'd say, could you please send them the proof of delivery? But, you know, those incoming incoming docks sometimes have tons of stuff on it. And those guys running the factory, their job isn't to uh, go through those boxes every 15 minutes. They just want that stuff moved to the line so they can use it. And that's a bigger problem than I, um, than I ever thought. And I, I like to think the systems are updating now. So you actually say, yes, that was received. I don't have to angrily call my logistics and transportation guys. <laughs> yeah, I do think, you know, obviously the technology is really improved and and that does exist but it's still you know i really stress this to our group and we try and take pride at it mary Kay. it is still you know very process based and if you try and skip a step or go around you know i guess what i'm trying to say is that 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 communication in all steps of the way from you know the 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 the, the, the appointment right like Oh, there was no open spots. There, the the, right. the the warehouse was full. The appointment, so I put it out three days from now. I told you I put it out in three days from now, but right. the planner's like, no, I'm running that in two days. So you you still have to be very clear, and I'm 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 still kind of somewhat surprised by that in today's world. Of sometimes you know it's just a simple change, and you don't really think you're going to impact so many people, but it becomes it just magnifies oh, yeah. as it goes. And so, I guess the point that I'm trying to get, yeah, the technology is there, the data is there, but it's also that that relationship and going the extra mile to have that conversation. Hey, you know, Joe, this shipment's coming in. I'm counting on it. Like when it hits the dock, you know, make sure it hits the dock. Don't let it, if you get behind, 
and you're going to push something, you can't push this because it's running tomorrow and we've got things, we've got trailers staged going to many destinations based on that production tomorrow. Right, right. It's always the extra little things. And I remember, you know, sometimes uh, people work for me when they'd say, oh, I called, I called Mike and told him blank. And I'd say, okay, make sure you send him an email confirming that. And then, and I say, make sure you update that, those, those uh, in the system. Now I think the email would be in the system automatically, but it was, it was interesting because sometimes um, that didn't happen. Yes. And, and, and then invariably it would come back and bite us. And I would say, guys, for your own safety, <laughs> put that damn stuff in writing because you go, hey, Mike, remember I told you that was going to be a day late? And you go, no, I don't. <laughs> got lots of things on my mind. I'm not tracking your shipments for you. It's never an issue until it's an issue. Exactly. Exactly. So you have, a, I think is a unique challenge. You have all these, you're not shipping to stores with Mary Kay. You're shipping to individuals, right? How many if you don't mind me asking, how many places are you shipping to? Yeah, it's it's, it's a great question. I, it, a blessing, a curse, right? I guess because you know my customer is myself, and you right. know, once it's produced, I get to create the order, which is a lot of my counterparts in transportation and logistics. You know, they have to try and maximize the order. Well, I I get to create the order that we're trying to maximize, which is which is a very good Right. You get thing. some flexibility. I have some flexibility in there. But once it's produced, you know, the plant runs it. They send, they send it over to our central distribution center in Dallas also. We're blessed on automation. You run your own, right? Yep. We run our own. It's an automated storage re- retrieval system. We've been a longstanding customer of Domatic, and we love the, the automation. It comes in there. You know, our robots, our AGVs pick it up, store it, bring it back out, and, and we export it to the... Wait, what is an AGV? Yeah, sorry. It's an automated guided vehicle. So basically, it uh, when it comes in to our facility, we put it on a conveyor, and it goes down to the line, and then we have this little robot come in, lifts up the top, picks up the pallet, and takes the pallet, and um, if it needs stretch wrap, it stretch wraps it, it stores it in the most economical place that, that it can. And again, it hasn't been touched by a person yet. And then, you know, when it comes out, we'll, we'll monkey with it. But on your question to the customer, we have probably 40 different, 40-ish different locations that we ship to, whether it's Mexico, Brazil, Moldova, Russia, Ukraine, kind of those right. types of places. And when it gets there, that's kind of the regional distribution centers, if you will. And then they actually do the last mile to the customer. So it's my job to get it to the regional distribution centers. And then then the the, the next leg, if you will, takes the the final and mile. And that's gotta be customer. that's gotta be tens of thousands of people at the at, for doing the last mile locations, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, our our sales force, if you will, is, you know, over 2 million Salesforce members. Oh, my so. God. I didn't realize it was that big. That's fantastic. So you're, how many countries are you guys in then? I, would, I always call it 40, you know, right in the, at the, at the 40 different. So I know you're not responsible for it, but when that goes to those regional distributions, are they in, so that final mile, is it going UPS or USPS or FedEx or all the above? <laughs> yeah, and I think no, I think it is all of the above, you know, Joe. And you know, I think one of the things that for Mary Kay specifically, we were 
our international sales have grown so much that those decisions used to be decentralized decisions and and not right. as as rolled up but now that so much revenue is coming we're trying to probably um, get more control so the point that i'm trying to get at is we have a lot of regional contracts and you know in time we'd like to to kind of dial that in and, and begin right. to get a little bit more centralized with some of those negotiations. You know, one of the things I noticed when I was, I, I, I worked at a little trans, logistics and transportation company. And so we did mostly less than truckload. And I remember when I first started there, I was there for five years. When I first started there, a lot of times when we go to companies, they didn't, they'd say, oh, go talk to, to Tom. He's in charge of transportation. And I was like, are, and then I would always say, are you, um, do you work for purchasing? And he'd say, oh, no, no. Are you a procurement guy? No, no, they're a separate group. And I always thought, well, that's weird. This isn't going through procurement. And then I would say, as the years went by, it became more and more of a procurement. And I think part of the reason was the criticality of it. It got that view, the, the vice president of logistics started hearing about it. And he says, well, I'm not even... It's not even part of my organization. It, and it became part of your organization. And then I would also say there wasn't the tools that we could use to actually for you to do your job. So it just felt like well, there's a trucking company that moves our stuff. That's it. Well said, Joe. I mean, I'm blessed that Mary Kay, we're, we're, we're given the resources we need to do our jobs. And so even though I'm vice president of transportation and logistics, I, I do have an avenue to procurement and indirect procurement that really helps me with negotiations and contracts and just sourcing new providers. And, um, you know, it, you're right on point. It's, it, there's a lot of money there and it's, and you, you need, you need a big hitter. You need you gotta get your arms special. around it. Yes, you do. And, it also helps me too to kind of have a bad cop, right? You, you're 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 working the relationship with the the provider, and you're like, okay, we're pretty close. Now you got to go talk to my guy and or gal, and you have that conversation. Yep, you know, and this I think I, I like to do this with automotive, but I'll do it with um, Mary Kay. So, uh, assuming you guys are making your your product down in Texas in the '60s. You weren't selling to 40 countries. You were selling to one, right? And your suppliers were more, most likely in the U.S. And we didn't procure things internationally really until the last 25, 30 years. But definitely not China. Definitely not Mexico. I, I joke about it. I should speak Spanish. But instead, they taught me to speak French. I don't even speak French either. But it was silly because we didn't do a lot of business with Mexico. So when you think about 1963... You guys probably hired trucking companies to help you. That was it. So when somebody says, who's your logistics? You're like, logistics, we got this. Everything's by paper, obviously. And I have these three or four trucking companies that bring my stuff. And when it's got to be shipped out, they ship it out. Maybe UPS, FedEx. Now I'm getting stuff from China. Now I have freight forwarders involved. I still have the trucking companies involved, but I have these freight forwarders involved. And it really does require the technologies that we use. The job's just gotten, you know, exponentially harder. The coordination, the information, the world's changed. <laughs> well said, Joe. Like, um, two points on that. Like one is, um, you know, I'm going to date myself, but like I said, 26 years. When I started with Mary Kay 26 years ago, we had the pink fleet. So Mary Kay herself 
wanted to have her own trucks. And so we had the best Peterbilt trucks that money could buy. <laughs> and we had trailers and you know what? They were pink and the truck drivers wore these pink jumpsuits and they wore them with pride and they were going up and down the road and they had the best equipment and it was the job of jobs. If you were a truck driver, you wanted that Mary Kay truck driving. And then, but you know, to your point, as the world changed, you're like, okay, we're running too many empty miles. We're, we're, we need to empty containers. That too. Empty, we, we need to go a different direction. And you're exactly right. That's, that's been our challenge, right? So 1963, the legacy systems, older systems, you were once just purchasing, you, your company was founded on the United States and every day your international markets are growing and all of a sudden you're, the world is changing faster than you're changing. And so we really have to be aware of, of, of the growth of, of our markets yeah. outside of the United States. Yeah, and I think also as the, you mentioned, legacy systems, the the people who adopted transportation management systems earliest, and and who did the most shipping, might you know tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of their millions of of shipments, they're the ones who are stuck with these legacy. I, it's wrong way to put it. It's difficult to make the transition when somebody says, "Hey." Why are you not using the cloud? You're like, because we got 10 million records in there. That's why. Yeah. And it, the, the, the interruption, the disruption is sometimes not worth it at this point. It, it usually takes some reason where somebody says, hey, we're no longer supporting you. Okay, now seems like a good time to move to the cloud. And that is, yeah. that's the challenge with anybody who's been around for a long time. If you're a Fortune 500 company, not even a Fortune 500 Anybody who was a significant company 30 years ago who adopted technology, whatever it is, struggles now. They've got, and, you know, we put interfaces on it in the 90s, so it looked like it was a new system, but it was just a pretty interface. It was still connected to a, a server that was in the building or mainframe. <laughs> and for us, too, right, at Mary Kay, the, since it's such a great company, People stay. I'm, I'm 26 years. I'm, I'm a rookie. I'm not even on the map yet, right? <laughs> but my point is, you didn't, you didn't, you weren't so dependent on that technology because you have so much institutional knowledge that it's just intuitive. But this generation is not staying in jobs like my generation did. So I've got, you know, they're like, okay, I'll do this for one or two years, three or four years, and they're looking at you like, oh, we need to automate this. We need to stream like this. There's a bot that can do this. So it is one thing that I'll mention and not to get us off track, but that's been a blessing for us at Mary Kay is we've got all of this institutional knowledge and now the, the new generation is coming in and, and they're, they're able to great, they're able to work with data like nobody you've ever seen before, right? They can go get data and they know they're so smart but they don't know what the data means. But then you've got this institutional knowledge. Somebody like me, I'm like, wow, like if you're, you want me to go do that, that'll take me a week. And then, you know, some college graduate, like my son comes in and he's like, oh, and, and my son doesn't work at Mary Kay. But the example is just that they can have that data. And, and you're like, oh, you saved me so much time. I can sit with you for right. the rest of the day and teach you what it means. 
I remember my, my daughter had a friend who was an intern at a company and she wrote code to eliminate the job she had. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the company bought that code from her. So nice summer, nice summer job where they're like, I eliminated that job. Here's the code. They're like, hey, we'll buy that patent from you. Nice. I know I lose you in eight minutes at the top of the hour. I wanted to talk to you about what you expect, what you're looking for from your, I'll say supply chain partners, but also your transportation and logistics partners. I mean, again, I'm trying to get, I, I know you're kind enough to come in and share what you know. There's people who don't have a sense for what guys like you know, the vice president of logistics at a big company that that buys a lot of services. No, thank you for the opportunity, Joe. You know, for me, the I value and are looking for the long, long standing reputation. You know, I like to use the same company. You know, I want to be competitive on the pricing, but I want it to be a two way street. I'm in it for the long haul. I like what you say, you know, that you don't want to date, you want to get married kind of concept. Right. And, and that's really where I want to be. I want to win together or, or, or lose together. And, you know, I don't want a freight forwarder that's going to charge me $300 because it took me two hours and three minutes to unload something. And then the next day, they're two hours and five minutes late. And we're going back and forth with, with debits and credits with each other on late. Yeah, time. that nickel and diming feels transactional and it doesn't feel like it's I, a relationship at that yeah, point. Yeah, I don't appreciate it. We, if, if we have an issue, let's 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 roll up our sleeves and figure out what our issue is. But let's not... Just that's what concerns me in this world now where everybody wants data and everybody wants visibility. And we're just like enacting on decisions like data decision, data decision. We're not pausing and thinking about really what are we trying to do? So like what, you know, even for me, I'm like on on your question, like I'm looking for somebody that will provide not a service, but a solution like, okay, you're shipping from here to brazil could you have you considered this port have you considered this vessel have you considered this route like what what problem can you solve for me how can and then you know if i want to transact with you are you is it easy or is it painful right you talked about the phone call and the email like how can we do this easily or or do I need to put everything in email with you? And if I do, then, or, or EDI, whatever the V, how, how cumbersome is it for me to, to work with you? You know, so really just in it for the long haul, strong on the reputation, strong on the can do, will do. Right. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. I like that. If I could add one thing in there, I, I had somebody on my podcast, Paula Courtney, and she does a lot of customer experience research. And she's talked about this idea of like designing the customer experience. So we're all used to using, you know, apps on our phone. So you say, hey, I like the way the Domino's app works or yeah. this or that. But every once in a while, I want the phone call. Other times I want to use the app or the or the platform, right? And I've experienced this where sometimes I want to talk to somebody and so I call them and the entire time the message is like, your call is valuable. Call volumes are higher uh, than usual. Always call volumes are higher than usual. And then constantly telling me to go to the website. And I always feel like if I wanted to use the website, I'd already be there. Do you think I don't know that you have a website? That drives me crazy because I didn't want in that instance to talk to go to the, through the website. And I feel like that's part of understanding the customer 
and asking the questions and designing that experience. And God, that's overused, but it's, it's ask Mike what he wants. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we, that skip it. it I don't know. You, you say it's easy, but it's most forgotten. I mean, everybody gets so busy that it's, it's the most forgotten. It's, um, I've had a lot of people say this is, I said, well, we have a weekly meeting to go over our carrier scorecard or go over our, our KPIs or a monthly meeting. And they go, oh, no need. You'll get a report every day. And I go, yeah, but I think the purpose of the meeting is to look at the numbers and say, where can we go? What what should we do to get better? What should you do to get better? And the the weekly report, the daily report, which sometimes I don't even understand what I'm looking at. That isn't the same as we had a Zoom call or once a month or once a quarter, we had that face-to-face where we spent the day together to understand, you know, how do we improve our business, our joint business? Yeah, no, for sure. I'll give you one quick example that went a long way with me. So we're, we're, we're using a, a, a freight forwarder and we've been struggling a little bit and they, got, they had some organizational changes in there. And I, I said to one of my, my teammates that, hey, I would really like to talk to the new account rep. And within two hours, that person, an account rep is selling, is not the right title, but called me on my cell phone two hours later. I'm here. How can I help? Let's grow the business. You know, and I was like, it, not an email, right. not a Teams thing, just I want to get in front of you as soon as possible. How can I get in front of you? And I was like, that just, but that left them. I, I'm ready to do business. I'm ready to go, right? Because it's in, that intent is there. Yeah. He didn't send you a text with an, hey, Mike, I've sent you a link to our app. So you never call me again. <laughs> For sure. Anyway, Bill. Mike, I know we're going to lose you at the top of the hour. I do really appreciate you taking the time. And I love what you said about, you know, this reputation, can do attitude, will do attitude. You're looking for that long term win win relationship. If we're going to lose, we're going to lose together. Um, no nickel and diming. I don't want that transactional. Married, not engaged, not dating. We're going to be married, joined at the hip. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, one last thing I want to add. Do you guys still, women who are doing well at Mary Kay, do they get the pink Cadillac still? Still there. Still there. I love it, guys. If you see it, you see a woman driving a pink Cadillac, there's a very good chance she's a Mary Kay lady. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, that's fantastic. You guys work for you have a great company and thank you so much mike for spending the time i again uh, i know you're not selling anything to my audience but uh just great information because we don't always hear from the shipper perspective really appreciate it joe um great job with your podcast guy thank you and thank you so much and good luck to you and mary Kay. and uh thank all of you for listening to my podcast your support is very much appreciated until next time onward and upward You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.